We grow and we learn so much in our failures. I learn the most about myself, about what I can achieve, how I can handle situations when I fail, when I lose, when I get rejected, when I get told no, when I get dropped from agencies, when I don't get the job anymore. Like that's where the power honestly happens. And so I always tell people to embrace failure. Don't let that stop you because literally on the other side of failure is the win. Welcome back. This is the Confident Collective Podcast, and we are your hosts. I'm Rayanne. And I'm Christina. We are curb models, content creators, and some would even say comedians. We started the Confident Collective Podcast to help you live your most confident life by sharing our stories and sitting down with experts to talk about, well, life. We chat sex, dating, business, relationships, and so much more. We hope you love this episode, so let's get into it. Welcome back. Today we have on a very special guest. She is a Sports Illustrated model, content creator, speaker. She's gone viral a few times this year, so I'm sure you've seen her popping off on your TikTok and Instagram. She's also a fellow Greek goddess. I felt like out of the loop that I was not Greek in this interview. (laughs) We have on Ella Halikis. Today's conversation with Ella was so inspiring. She has so many words of wisdom and we talk about confidence kind of in all aspects of our lives from business and dealing with failure and rejection to confidence in your family dynamics and growing up in a Greek household and what that looked like for her. And then we also talk about confidence in dating and how she navigates her love life. So we really get into all aspects of confidence with Ella and I think you're gonna love this conversation. Yeah, I can't wait to hear when she talks about having delusional confidence. I think it is a good reminder for all of us to believe in ourselves. And, you know, if people think you're kind of crazy, you're probably on to something. So we cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. Let's welcome Ella to the Confident Collective podcast. Welcome Ella to the Confident Collective podcast. Yay. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to chat with you today. And what something that I love is I put up a little message box to get questions for you. And I can't even tell you how many people were so excited to have you on. One and two, the fact that there's like two Greek women coming together. Yeah. I was like, I love the Greek hype. No, a hundred percent. I got the same kind of response too. Everyone's like, Greek queens. I'm like, reunite, baby. Yay! Two Greek goddesses and a Scandinavian something. Also, (laughs) Ella decided that we could be sisters. And I don't think she's wrong. I think that we are long lost sisters, like in the bloodline. Like we should talk to the older generations. We got to talk to the relatives. (laughs) Absolutely. Yan Papu might know some stuff. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, really quick. Well, I love that you're Greek and we're raised in a Greek household because I think being Greek has shaped so much of who I am and the culture is such has made such a profound impact on me. And something I talk a lot about is being raised in a Greek household and how body image played a huge part because of my culture. And I was just wondering, mm-hmm. how did body image, how was, how was body image discussed in your Greek household growing up? It's interesting. I don't know if it's the most traditional, but it was a little bit split, honestly. Like I think growing up, of course you have like your yaya and papu like feeding you and you know, you never leave food left on your plate. Like they always made sure you were fed. That was always a thing. So it it was always like, it was never um, like I was cheating a meal. I was never skipping meals. I mean, it was always encouraged to eat 
a ton and you have the chicken and the Greek salad and, you know, all of that. Um, I do think though, the older I got and the curvier I got, like, it's also just like in our blood and nature to like have bigger hips or have like more, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just know a lot of Mediterranean women have that curvier body. And I think for me, I got that at like a younger age. And I think I did feel stress from my family, especially like older generations, like my Yaya, for example, like on one hand, you know, she never leaves the house unless you're fed and you have like three meals before you leave. And you're like, I'm, I'm stuffed. I literally can't eat anymore. But then on the other hand, on the other hand, you know, they were always thin. They were like an older generation and they thought, you know, that they were like a little bit hard on me, to be honest. Like they would say, oh, like, you know, you've been gaining weight, like, or is everything okay? And I always had those comments from family, honestly. So I feel like I have maybe a less traditional. I mean, I don't know. I'd be curious to hear how yours was in comparison, but that's how it was. Mine was exactly the same. And that's okay. why I feel like it's such a cultural thing. And I'm like, sometimes I get upset thinking about things that my parents have said and that my grandparents have said. But I honestly feel like it's almost like in the DNA and how they were raised because you're right. Like for me, it's like food was such a huge moment in our household. Like we always had to eat together. We always had to finish everything on our plates. But the amount of times I've also at the same time been told, like, you don't want to be just a pretty face. Like you need to lose weight or you look really big or you've gained some weight or like, oh my gosh, like just even hearing comments about other people's bodies that my family would make Mm -hmm. or people even in my church, like it would be like, oh, look at her thighs, look at her butt. She has a huge butt, you know? So it was just always being said. And it's really interesting kind of hearing like the double standard, like make sure you finish your plate, but like don't gain any weight. Right. I'm like, well, then why are you force feeding me every single meal? (laughs) Like what's going on here? Like it it never really made sense when it was like that double standard and like kind of Mm -hmm. having that split the way they would handle it. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think the same way. My family was the exact same way. Um, and it's definitely hard when you have family members talking like that. Yeah, it's really hard. We get a lot of messages from people saying like, how do I deal with pressure from family when it comes to like comments about weight mm-hmm. or my body? Did you like have any lessons like growing up or recently on how you've handled situations to share with other people who maybe are experiencing the same thing? Or has it changed now that this is kind of like your career and your, your like known for speaking about these things, have those conversations changed? Yeah. It's interesting. I think when I first got started and I definitely didn't have like a platform or a career yet from it and I was just getting started, I did notice that the conversation was a little bit different. It was more so kind of like, um, more concerned and, you know, it was a quick, you know, weight gain over my college years after high school. And it was more of like a concern. Are you okay? And I'm worried about your health and like, cause your body changed quickly and yada, yada, yada. Um, but when I, I also was at a weird spot where I wasn't that confident, but then when I found the confidence, they kind of backed off because they were like, oh, she really loves herself and she looks happy and we know she works out and she's healthy and yada, yada, yada. Like we're not as concerned, but I think in the beginning they were concerned, but also it was just like, are you actually concerned? Do you, is it stemming from fat phobia? And I don't know. I think the conversation is a little bit different now because I put the boundary in place. I think for anyone that's wondering how to handle that. I mean, it is a boundary and it, and it's weird because you look up to your parents, you look up to family, you look up to your grandparents, aunts and uncles, and these are the closest people to you. But the second they overstep that boundary and start asking you when you don't want that feedback, you're not looking for their opinion on your body. That's where you kind of have to draw the line in the sand and say like, I love you, but I'm happy the way I am. And I don't want you asking about my body anymore. And you actually have to set that, that boundary. 
um, that helps a lot. That's good advice. And I think that can be scary at first to do. But like you said, you just have to like hopefully say it and squash it and then move on if there's that like mutual respect. But that's like, I can't, sometimes I like can't imagine saying that to like my grandpa. I'd be like, I know, I know, I I know, but you have to. And it is really interesting because like my 99 year old Bapu, who's going to be a hundred in September, literally still comments on everyone's body and it's like, can't help it. But I think that sometimes people feel like you almost like don't have the right to set boundaries with your family, Mm -hmm. but you absolutely do. And it's a huge learning curve and it doesn't need to be something aggressive, right? It doesn't have to be like, hey, like really, really mean or it's just like, it's just an honest and vulnerable conversation that has to be had. And I think that Every single time you set a boundary, it just gets easier and easier to do it over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because when they're that old too, like they're pretty stuck in their ways. Like they're not, they're 85, mine are like 90 and yours are almost a hundred. Like it's, they're stuck in their ways. We're not going to sit down and give them the whole body positivity talk about how we love ourselves. Like (laughs) Like they're stuck in their ways. I think those questions, like those will always come up. Unfortunately, when I do come over, the first thing they do is comment on my weight, whether it's you look amazing or oh, wow, like everything, like it's just one or the other. And I'm almost used to it now. That is a harder conversation to have, but it doesn't have to be as harsh, like you said. And I also don't really let their comments necessarily affect me as much anymore. And it's easier said than done. But I kind of just think like, oh, that's my papu. Like this is such a, it's such a generation thing. It's a culture thing. Like I kind of like rub it off. But when it's like my mom or a sister or my brother or my dad or someone in my inner, inner family dynamic, that's where I'm like, absolutely not. We're drawing the line. You're not talking about my body unless I ask you about your opinion. But easier said than done, for sure. One thing that you say, Ella, that I loved, you said this in a recent TikTok that really inspired me was, let your confidence be delusional, which I think is such an awesome way to like phrase it and something I haven't heard before. How did you kind of get to this point in your confidence journey? And can you talk about like what letting your confidence be delusional looks like for you? I think a lot of my confidence stems from internal and not external. And I think that's why I say I'm the most confident I've been today at the biggest in my body, because it's not how I look, right? Like that true inner confidence does not come from the size that I'm wearing of my jeans. I think that confidence, like I said, comes from within. And so it started to encompass like everything about me. It was like owning that confidence when you walk into the room, owning the confidence to raise your hand and ask the question. Confidence comes in so many different ways than just how you look. And I don't think people talk about that enough. And I think having that delusional confidence is also going into like knowing what you want, knowing you deserve it and going after what you want. So for me, it was like career focus. Like, okay, I'm going to move here and I'm going to do this. Great. I'm going to do it. Like no one asked me how or why. I don't know how or why, but it's going to happen. And it's having that undeniable self-worth and undeniable self-confidence that you can and will achieve anything you set your mind to is kind of where that came into. And that takes years and years of practice. It wasn't an overnight switch. I think it's years and years of practicing that mindset shift. But I think that delusional confidence comes into you see something for you that someone might not see for you. Like you have that vision already before that next person does. And it's very personal to you in your own journey. And I think when you have that passion, that drive, that you know what you want in life factor, it becomes delusional because like I said, you can't see it. So if I told you three years ago when I was serving at a restaurant in Hawaii that I was going to be a sports illustrator model and do what I do, people laughed in my face. Like, what do you mean? Like, oh, that's, you know, good confidence, like whatever. And I'm like, no, no, I'm actually going to do that. But I already saw that vision for myself before they did. So it kind of has to come down to undeniable self-worth and confidence, but also having that true purpose, self-purpose of like, what am I, what do I want to do? And, 
and knowing that it's within you. Like you can't even really explain it. You can't, you can't show people it. You can't see it on paper. It's like, you just know it. It's like a divine within thing. And I think that's how I was able to get there. I I think that's really well said and really, really inspiring, but you have such clear visions and goals, right? What if someone wants to have this confidence and wants to feel delusional in their confidence, but doesn't necessarily have something super concrete they're working toward? What advice can you give to them? Because I feel like that indecisiveness or like, especially someone who's in their young, like their early 20s or even early 30s, it's like, wait, I want all these things. I want to feel amazing. I want to feel super confident. I want the world for myself. But like, what do I actually want to work towards? That's a good question. I mean, I think every path is different. I think mine was... I set my mind on something and then I, and I worked to achieve it. I think even after the sports illustrated thing, to be honest, I can kind of relate with not having a set goal. Yes, I have many kind of goals, but after I got SI, it was like, that was my big thing for three years that I was striving for. So once that was gone, people were like, now what? I'm like, shit, what, like, what do I put my mind to now? Because I'm like, what the fuck? That was huge. Like, how do I, whatever. So I think I can kind of relate. I'm in a space now where I have many different little goals or dream clients or things I'd like to do and achieve, but I don't really have a set goal. And I think that comes down to just every day wanting to be better than who you were yesterday. And that's all I can say is like, you might not have that set goal, that set career, that set job that you're striving for. That's fine. We're all young. We're all figuring it out. Like even my parents still, you know, everyone says we still don't know what we're doing here. Like everyone's just kind of going with it. I think that Having that confidence really comes into wanting to be better than who you were yesterday. And I'm always striving to be the best version of myself in all different facets, whether that's career, whether that's family, whether that's relationships with my friends, whether it's my relationship with my body, I'm trying to be better every day. And I think that can just be right there, like the goal that we can all strive for, because I think that's a really healthy and powerful goal. Yeah. And I think even with like, if someone's feeling lost or like, not sure of their direction and they don't have this specific thing that's like, I want to be in Sports Illustrated. But if they don't have this like very specific thing, I think like you said, confidence is so intertwined and we talk a lot about this. It's like, just focus on like the small things before, even if you don't have that big thing, like investing in yourself, going to the gym, investing in your friendships, you know, setting up that meeting with your boss to have like a review to ask for an increase. Like all of these things contribute to like building your confidence. Like every little teeny tiny thing that you do that gets you out of your comfort zone builds that up and gets you to like the next, the next step for you. And like you're continuing to level up and it doesn't have to be like this linear, like I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And it's something as small as I want to work out three days this week. I want to go on a friend date and hang out with my friends and go to dinner with them twice this week. It's setting many goals because what you're doing is you're wiring your brain to show yourself that you can achieve what you set your mind to. When you start to achieve these goals, whether it's big or small, whatever it may be, you're showing yourself that you can do it. And that in itself gives you confidence. So then you go to the next goal and then you go to the next goal. And then soon you're like reaching for this huge goal that even just like a year ago, you never would have thought you could do. But because you're making the baby steps every day, you're able to tackle those big goals in the end. Another thing that I really admire you about is you talk a lot about getting over like the fear of failing. And I think that holds a lot of people back is like they don't do something because they're scared of failing or not working out how they would hope for it to work out. Is there like any words of wisdom you can give to people on how to get over that fear of failure? Yeah, I think fear of failure holds a lot of people back. 
And I mean, I get it, especially if you are doing it publicly and people can see. I mean, failing in private is one thing, but to fail in front of the whole world is another. And I think that's where it gets scary. You know, failing in front of your family, starting a business, failing in front of your family, starting a new career and a new job, you know, or a relationship, even thinking that you failed a relationship if you break up or divorce. I think anything in life, like we grow and we learn so much in our, in our failures. Like when I'm winning or I do something great, I'll, I'll celebrate, we'll celebrate whatever, but it's like, you're not growing from that. Yes. It's awesome. But I learned the most about myself, about what I can achieve, how I can handle situations when I fail, when I lose, when I get rejected, when I get told no, when I get dropped from agencies, when I don't get the job anymore, like that's where the power honestly happens. And so I always tell people to embrace failure like encourage it, want to fail. I think when I tried out for Sports Illustrated, there's either you don't get it or you do get it. And I and I knew that that was a 50 for, 50% chance and honestly higher chance of failing because I had no modeling experience or no, nothing to back me. But I think that's where everything, that's where the magic is happening. And it's like, don't let that stop you because literally on the other side of failure is the win. It's literally right on the other side. You're one step closer to it. And like I said, it should be embraced because you learn more, you grow more, it builds character. I mean, you start to appreciate the wins more when you lose. Like, I think it's, I think it's really freaking cool. And I think people should start talking like that and change that narrative and that communication around failing in general. Cause I think it should be embraced. I love that. And I actually, I was just talking to Ray about this before, but like right now I'm going through like a huge transitional phase and there's like parts of aspects of my life, my career, where I almost feel like I'm failing, mm-hmm. but you're right. Like, failing gives you an opportunity to figure out what you actually want mm-hmm. and refocus on how to get to to achieve those goals that you actually really want to achieve. Because right now I'm like, oh yeah, I feel like I'm failing in all these ways, but like, am I actually failing? Does that failure actually look like success in, in other areas? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that like also like shifting the failure into a focus of winning and an opportunity to get to know yourself better or to win in other areas areas of your life can be really helpful as well. Totally. And it's not even failing necessarily. It's learning. Like it's not a loss. It's a lesson. Like you're not losing, you're learning. And I always say that. So it's like, even when you don't get the job, you don't do this, maybe you have slower months, you didn't get the promotion. It's like, okay, this is a really cool opportunity to learn. Like take advantage of that to learn, to grow, to build, because timing is everything. First of all, had I gotten Sports Illustrated the first year, I would have never gone far with it at all. I mean, I, I would have literally crumbled. There's no way I would have ever been able to handle it if I got it my first year. Second year, absolutely not. Like, I am so glad it happened when it happened. That's just one goal. And I think timing is literally everything. And it's such a sense of, okay, if not now, it's a redirection. And like, kind of like you said, to like create a plan. Okay, great. So what's my action now? Like, how am I going to learn from this? How am I going to grow from it? And then what's the action next? And it's like, you almost set up those action plans after that. And once you do receive it, once you do get it, one, you'll, you'll appreciate it way more. Because I think in our industry too, you get in the sense of winning, like, you know, you feel like you may be winning a lot, or you might be getting a cool job or a client a lot. That's also not reality. So like, you're not always going to be on a high. And so it's like, you can't experience those without the lows. And I just had to talk with my dad about it too, because I was, I felt like I was on a roll and then I got like a loss and I, and I was like really sad about it this week. And I was like trying to navigate that. And he's like, do you think it's reality to always be having these highs every day? And I'm like, wait, shit, you're right. Like 
it gives you a sense of appreciation for where you're at but also appreciation of like, this is how life is. Like, it's not always going to be like the ups or it's not always going to be fucking butterflies. Like it's hard. And every day you're going to be told no in this industry. And I think it builds character. And like I said, it develops more of an action plan of what do you even want? Slow down. What do you want? Like, and that's a cool conversation to have with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And it really does allow you the opportunity to appreciate what you have. Because sometimes when you're like winning and you're go, 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 you forget to like look back and think that where you are is where you dreamed of being years ago. And without that failure and without that loss or without that like space to learn, you don't have the opportunity to reflect on how far you've come. Totally. I love that so much. It's so true. And I love, Ella, how you like really celebrate all of these like milestones that you hit. I think sometimes like, and I'm totally guilty of this, like I don't like stop and celebrate the, those things. I'm like, okay, well, here, like I, I don't know. Sometimes it's easy to just be like, all right, like on to the next thing. And I think it's important that like, because you think of like your friends or your family, like they're, they celebrate you. But sometimes when it comes to ourselves, we're like, we don't do that. And I think you do such a good job of that and like a reminder to like hype yourself up and be like, fuck yeah, like I did this. Um, was there like a time or a specific no that that kind of like really shook you or inspired you to really make some like major moves or a time where you said someone said no that was, had a pivotal change on things for you? All the time. Like, I kid you not, I celebrate the wins hard because I also lose a lot. And I, and I not lose, but I, I mean, yeah, I get told no all the time. I think what stings is like when you're so close to that job and that booking and you're on hold and this is your dream client. And I've been on hold so many times with amazing, like L'Oreal beauty campaign, Peloton commercial, which would have been like financially life-changing. Like I've been on hold with Skims before for a campaign, which is my dream. And I never have worked with them like for a shoot. And then I got released. And I think in those moments, it's like, keep fucking going. Like it literally builds such a fire under me. Agencies, I mean, getting released from an agency out of the blue really puts fire under you, especially when you feel like you're doing everything right and you get dropped. And within seconds, your portfolio is off the website and you have no say in it and you have no anything in it. And it's it's a reminder of like, holy shit. I need to keep going. And it's almost like I can't wait to prove every single agent, every single person that doubted me. And because I've seen so much of that in the last three years that I'm like, okay, like, let me wrap up my sleeves. Let me get the most insane photos. Let me book the most insane jobs and like show you that you made the biggest mistake dropping me. I've never really publicly talk about that because I feel like it's part of my journey and story that I'm excited to one day hopefully write a book about all of that. But yeah, I mean, I've had my fair share of getting dropped and rejected left and right all the time. Um, and I know it's part of the industry. It's part of the game. But I don't think people realize how often it happens. And it's challenging for sure. Yeah, it's fucking hard. And I admire you for <laughs> being resilient in that because, yeah, that industry, I don't think people totally understand the industry and like the toll that it can take on you and your confidence. And yeah, it fucking sucks. And you don't get a say in it either. Like you don't get to drop an agency when you want because you're contracted, but they can drop you at any point. And that could be your life money. That could be everything. And they can literally just cut the line right there. And you have no say at all. And you're dropped off the website. And you're like, why? What? Like, this doesn't even make sense. And so you don't feel like you have a right. You feel like you don't have a say. You don't feel like you have that freedom. And you do feel like it's your worth. Why am I not worth enough? Should I change my look? Is it my hair? Is it my body? Should I be bigger? Should I be smaller? Like, 
it really, really fucks with you. And I just try every day to get up and be resilient through it. But it's hard. It's super hard when you your image is your business and your life, right? Because it's so hard to t- to not take things so personally. And like you said, feel like it's a direct insult to who you are and how you look. Have you gone back to any of those agencies that have dropped you or like maybe jobs that you've had or that you've got rejected from and ask why? Because this is like something for me, like I feel like having that feedback and that constructive criticism could be like super, super helpful. Or you kind of like on to the next, I don't even care what they say, they're lost. Yes and no. A lot of the times in the modeling industry, like I said, you don't really get a say, like you don't ask questions. Like I ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. and I think it pisses off a lot of agents. Like I'm very in my own business. I'm my own business woman. Like I'm running shit behind the emails. They don't necessarily like that, I would say. Um, you have to find the right fit that do. And I'm glad that I have. I feel like Ford really does appreciate who I am and all of me, which is really, really refreshing. But that's not the case with almost every other agency I've been with. I feel like in the beginning, I would ask why and it'd be kind of like, just not a good fit or like split decision right now. Or like, I've applied to so many agencies and got rejected. And, and I'm like, why? Like, is it me? Is it my height? Is it my body? Is it my face? Is it my photos? Like, And you don't really get answers. And it's kind of just like, unfortunately, just not a good time. Or unfortunately, like our decision was split on you. And then you spiral. Me, I'm an overthinker. I'm in bed. Mm -hmm. I'm over spiraling. I'm I'm overanalyzing. I'm thinking, I'm looking at their board. Well, who else do they have? So then you start comparing yourself to the other models they have. It's fucking toxic. I think the older I've gotten in this industry, the more experience I've gotten in the last like year, I would say, I have that courage to ask now. And I actually had a really good heart-to-heart conversation with another agent that it didn't work out and I was released from. And I, and I straight up, cause I feel like on my end, I'm killing it. I'm doing all the right things. I'm getting all the amazing photos. Why? And I had a really good open con- conversation with her and she's like, it's nothing personal to you. Like, we love you. Like you're an amazing person. You're going to do amazing things in life. Like it is not you. If anything, it's like, you're not based here. So we're not able to find you as much work here. Your rate is higher than most of our other curve girls that we have. So the clients are booking the girls that have less of a rate and that are in town. So they don't have to pay for your travel. I'm like, that's, that's fair. I've had other agents give me feedback about like my height. Like my height is a little bit shorter. I'm on the shorter side for a curve too. And I think when I hear that, it makes me be like, huh, okay. Like, I'm not going to take it as personal, you know? And I've asked like, is it because I might be too much? Cause I've heard I'm too much from agents. Am I asking for updates too much? Am I, am I emailing too much? And, and this one agent was like, no, we love that about you. And I was like, really? I always thought agents hated that about me. Because it like applies pressure and it's too much in it. And it's like, sit back and just like either work or don't like just relax. And I'm like, I thought agents hated that about me. And she was like, no, I can say that we loved that about you. You're the most like communicative model we've had. A lot of models don't respond to our emails. They don't communicate as much. And you're always sending us new photos. And we love that because it shows that you're invested in your career as much as we're invested in you. And I was like, oh my God, amazing. Like weight off my shoulder. I always thought I had this problem. So to answer your question, yes, I have now gotten more used to asking for feedback, but it's rare you're honestly going to get it. And it's so, this industry too, it's like behind everything. It's like, I feel like sometimes like smoke and mirrors, like it's a person. Like I saw an agent once like critiquing people's walks on like TikTok and he was like, oh, I don't like those jeans. And it's like literally like you could lose out on something because of the jeans you're wearing. It really can knock your confidence when it's honestly like 
it's not you necessarily. This industry, I just think, has like a long way to go. And I think it's great that you're speaking up and you're maybe doing things differently because I think a lot of times like in the past, it was like, you're the model, like you're supposed to show up, do what you're told and like kind of be quiet. Like stand there and look pretty and take the photos. Like that's it. Yeah. And I think like the worlds are definitely blending now that like so many models have social through social media because they have like your your platform, like you are El Halikis, not just getting booked as like a size 14 body, which I feel like in the past there was definitely that distinction. So it's really interesting. It's an interesting time where the worlds are kind of like blurring together. Your body goes through so many changes while pregnant and in postpartum, and I have been going down a Google rabbit hole questioning everything. Like, what the heck is a tongue tie, and do I need to get mine removed? And why do I have all this hyperpigmentation on my cheeks, and what can I do about it? Dr. Google, TikTok, and my group chat can only help me so much. Sometimes I, and probably you, need a professional, and that is why I love ZocDoc. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. And it's seriously so easy to use. You can go on the app, put in what type of doctor you're looking for, your zip code, your desired dates and insurance, and a list of peer-reviewed doctors comes up. And I'm talking about doctors with thousands of reviews, which I love because it takes out all of the surprises. Go to ZocDoc.com slash confident and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash confident. ZocDoc.com slash confident. Ella, you're so confident in all aspects of your life, but is there one area of your life where you kind of feel, find yourself struggling with confidence a little bit? Dating. Oh, girl, let's talk. <laughs> I I just had a conversation with my friend, too, and they were like, this doesn't sound like you. Like, you were so confident in everything of your life. Like, you're talking like you're not confident when it comes to, like, these dates and guys. And I was like, oh, let's unhash this right now. Like, we're in therapy. I don't have confidence in dating, but I have confidence in every other aspect of my life. And she's like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, let's unhash it. And was like, it's almost like you feel like you're not deserving of a good guy. And I was like, hmm. I could see that. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's my inner child, like inner, I don't know. I don't know if it's like to shrink myself or like because I'm curvier now, I don't feel like I deserve a high quality good man. Or if it's like, I don't know where those inner insecurities are coming from, but I have struggled a lot with dating for sure. Do you feel like you're going for guys who aren't what you would say a high caliber of guy? And that's why you're saying that? Or is it just like you don't have the confidence necessarily when it when it comes to dating to go after men that you think you deserve? I don't think I'm going after the men that I think I deserve because of patterns in my life. I think the past relationships that I've had or the past guys that have hit on me and the ones that I've attracted have always wanted me physically. And I always felt like I was like sexually wanted. But when it came for someone that wanted to settle down and build a life with, I never found that. And so maybe subconsciously, I'm always thinking like, I'm just this like sensual person and this person that guys only want to hook up with. Whereas like, I'm selling myself short. That's so just the way I'm thinking. Like, I know I could build an amazing life and be an amazing partner and do an amazing whatever and be an amazing wife. But it's like, I don't even think like that because I've never had that. 
So I'm only going off of my past experiences, my past patterns of guys I've gone for who I felt like never saw me as like a long-term thing. And I've never had like long, long long-term relationships. So in that regard, I do feel like I've become insecure. Do you find yourself chasing the fuck boys because of it? Yeah. I relate so much to that. I think like, I always say this, you know, on here and in conversations outside of here, like I'm like, okay, when I'm with, you know, in community with women, I'm like flowing this in business. I feel so confident. Like I could walk into an event and feel so good and talk to, you know, have a business meeting and feel very confident in myself. And then like, I do struggle in, in the area of dating as well. Like when it comes to guys, I just feel like there's this like disconnect almost. And I too, Ella, am like trying to work through like, okay, where is this stemming from? Like what is going on where maybe I don't feel like I'm deserving of someone, but then it is hard too, because like when you're in these settings and we've talked about this on this podcast, like I don't want to say, and Christine and I have talked a lot about this and she's challenged me on this too, which I think is good is like, I don't want to say that like the men that I want aren't attracted to me, but when that's the pattern you see like a lot of times in front of you, like it's hard. Like when you're out with your friends and you're not getting approached, it does like knock your confidence. And I think then I tell myself like, okay, these type of guys aren't attracted to me. And then I create that. And then maybe it's a cycle where I'm putting that out there. And then it's like, okay, how do I get through this? Totally, It's a mental block that we're putting out and we don't even realize we're doing it of like, oh, he's not into me. And my friends are like, why would you even like think like that? And I'm like, oh, I just know. Or like, oh, he's not into curve girls. Like I'm not even going to like try, but it's like, maybe I'm just putting that mental block from my own insecurities, but it's like, no, but I'm looking at patterns. Like these type of guys usually want me. Those type of guys won't even look at me. But then I talked to a guy that was like super into me and wanted to date me. And I was like really shocked. Cause I was like, you're not the type that usually likes me. So it's just like, it's such a mind fuck. And then it's so interesting too, how like when it comes to men, like in so many other areas, I'm like, oh, it's, I'm so much more than my body. Like I have all of these qualities, X, Y, and Z. But then when it comes to dating, my first thing is like, oh, they must not be in, they must think not be attracted to me Mm -hmm. physically above everything else. It's so, and I think too, with men, it's hard with like, because so much of what we've been shown has been just a certain type of woman when it comes to like romantic relationships that is so ingrained in us. But I don't have the answers either, Ella, but I'm trying to work through them. So it's, you're not alone and it's really hard. I think dating in general is hard, but like as a curvy woman too, I think it's like just an added layer of something that we have to work through sometimes. It's like we're learning to love ourselves, but then learning to let other men love us. Like it's like, it's like a double thing. It's like, well, I have the confidence with me, but do I have the confidence that you have that in me? No. And it's like, how do I get there? And it's, I think it's a pattern of those guys, like I said, I've never had a problem of like going into a bar, getting a guy to like want to bring me home and hook up with. Like, that's just like, that's my MO. Like, let's go. Like, I got my drink. Like, I feel confident, bad bitch energy. But I never think they would want to like date me. I would never think they would want to have a lot. And that's where I'm like, hmm, how can I change that or put out a different energy or take off that mental block of maybe they do want to date you? Like, let them, like, you know, let them decide. Why are you deciding for them? You know? Yeah, absolutely. You you can't make the decision that you're not worthy for them. Mm-hmm. Like you have to let that play out. You have to, first of all, I think it all comes down to like believing in what you deserve and what you want and not accepting less. Like, so if you're out and you feel like a guy only wants to take you home and that's it and he wouldn't want to see you in a relationship, well, then I almost feel like sometimes it's like, well, what if you only give him the opportunity to try and see you in a relationship? Totally. 
and like don't break down that barrier and don't let don't limit yourself. When I'm extremely single and celibate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're in our celibate era <laughs> yes. I'm like weird Christina I don't know because now I'm in a fucking drought and I have no men great I'm standard. <laughs> yeah no I mean I get it I get it that's tough I just feel like it is so much of an energy mm-hmm. thing too and like projecting on your your insecurities onto other people sometimes and it, with men it's so easy to do that right I do think part of that, but I do think too, also, like sometimes I think about this, like when it comes to body acceptance and like seeing different body types, like I think in this, this space, women kind of are ahead of it in general. And I think a lot of in like self-improvement and working on themselves, like I just do think in general, women have invested more time in that. Mm -hmm. I think there are like, that's kind of across the board, not saying that all men don't invest in themselves, but I do think women have taken the time to really work on healing and grow and learn more about themselves more than men. Like we're just now accepting ourselves as as other as women. So I do kind of feel like sometimes like men are behind and like they have received the exact same messages mm-hmm. of fat phobia that we have. I do kind of think that sometimes like men are behind and I think they still have to work through a lot of their like internalized things around fat phobia and what a woman should be feminine small quiet all of these things it's so complex but I do think they might be a little behind than what we where we are at mentally as well I think there's also what we do for our jobs like aside from our bodies in that block it's also like our careers like I think I'm hyper independent. And I think that goes back to like trauma in my childhood, but I'm hyper independent where it's like now to let a guy come in and like try and take care of me. I'm like, I'm good. I got my own shit. I got my own stuff. Like it's going to take more than that. That's going to lure me in. And more than that, that I'm going to be like, yes, I want to date you. You have to do more than just want to provide financially or provide like, cause I'm already covered. It's got to be like, when I feel like I'm independent, I'm going to ask for more. I want more of like emotional support from a guy. I want more, you know what I mean? Of like that, just like partnership. Um, so I think our jobs and what we do and being so independent on our own is hard to find a relationship because of that. So there's a lot of things. We could do a whole other episode on this, you guys. <laughs> but no, that's, it's, it's a whole other beast. I was going to just say, so when you are having some of those maybe low confidence days, whether it comes to dating or whether it comes to maybe a job rejection or whatever it is, how do you end that negative self-talk and re-inspire yourself to be the confident Ella that you know and love? I think it's um, a mix of a few things. I think it's allowing yourself to feel those feelings, like really allowing that, you know, if you want to cry, cry, like let those emotions come. But for me, I try not to, I don't know the word, but I try not to sit there. I try not to soak in that. I try to feel it, let it come through and try to really process that information I just got or process that rejection. And then I always find another set of action. And I think the reason why I get that inspiration and that resilience, it comes down to my true purpose and my why. And you have to ask yourself, like, why am I even doing this? Because if it were not a great why or not a true purpose of why you're doing it, it might be easier to give up. It might be easier to not stay resilient because you're kind of like, well, I don't even really want to do this. Or like, I don't really feel like I need to do this anymore. Like you got to know your why before all else. So that when you do have things that shake you and you do have rejection, you know how to overcome it and you know how to get that inspiration to get back in the game and get your head, you know, back on track with your journey because you know, it's like, well, this is my why I have no other option, but to keep going. I love that. Um, Okay. We have a few questions we want to ask that 
our audience gave us for you. Um, how to navigate when you've gained weight and nothing fits you anymore. I think that to navigate that, I would say it's going to be a process. You're going to have to, obviously you're in a new body, right? You gain weight, you're in a new body. It's going to take time to love your the skin you're in. So first of all, be patient on yourself. Like you're not going to wake up and one day and just like, I'm so confident with my new body. Like it's, it takes time. I would say be, be open-minded to, you know, allowing your body to change. Our bodies are meant to change. They're not meant to always stay the same size. I think be accepting of it and also almost embrace this new body and try to like, okay, now let's nourish it. Like, let's do it. Like, let's do what feels good. Let's go for a walk. Let's hang out with a friend. Let's, let's buy those new pair of jeans. Like I want to, you know, celebrate this new body in a way of like treating yourself to a few new pairs of clothing. If nothing fits, don't try and keep those old pair of jeans that haven't fit in three years and say that they're your gold jeans. Like actually get rid of them because that can be toxic to your mind and body too. But I think be patient with yourself, allow yourself to like take that time to find that confidence. And, you know, I think it's like I said, yeah, it takes time, but also come at a point of gratitude for your body and how much it can still do for you and how amazing it is. And try to do things and nourish it that feel that feel good for you um, and treat yourself to a new pair of jeans or clothes. Amazing. Um, all right. What is your biggest ick when it comes to Oh dating? my God. Are you kidding me? Do we have 45 minutes? <laughs> um, okay. Wow. Um, okay. One ick is like when a, they don't let you shine at all. Like they have to, like, it's just like this massive ego of them where they have to be the center of attention and the whatever and the flexor and like the guy that's sitting there just like flexing and like just, um, trying to be just too much. And you're like one simmer down and two, let your girl also win. Like, I think I can't stand when like in the relationship dynamic, it's always like, Hey, like Mr. Honcho, like, and it's like, all right, like huge fucking ick. Like, let's celebrate your girl. Let's talk about her and her wins. Like I, I can't stand when they have to be that. I was going to say like that too cool for school. Like I know I can like picture the guy you're talking about right now. It's just like, like, oh, like, get over yourself, over bro. Yourself. It's so gross. Also, it's, like, so Ooh. sexy to have, like, a man who, like, cheers on his woman. I know. You should see, like, the messages Steve sends Christina. I'm going to cry. It's so cute. I always tell the story. It's one of my favorites. It's, like, we were in New York a couple years ago, and I used to look over, and we're in a cab, and there's, like, this long-ass message. And I'm like, oh, my God, is everything okay? Like, is Steve, I was like, is Steve mad at you or something? And it was like all of these ideas of stuff that Christina and I should shoot or do or like content for in New York City. He's super, super supportive and definitely like my biggest cheerleader for sure, which is really, That's really what you nice. need. Like you can't have someone that's needing to take yeah. your limelight all the time. Like that'd be weird. You'd be like, what the fuck, dude? Like, simmer the fuck out. I'd be like, get out of the fucking spotlight, loser. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Move the fuck out of the way. <laughs> Okay, what else? I love these X because I feel like as you're saying them, you're like literally picturing different men in your life. No, a hundred percent. But you don't you might not be able to say this, but okay, you did a TikTok recently where you were like, This guy's in my DMs who has a wife. Is he like was he was he famous or verified? Or was it like a random dude? Well, it's funny. Too many to count. That's how sad of this um generation. That makes me sick. Wait, what? Count. Wait, Ella, I am literally shocked. One of them was in my DMs. Yeah, he was a professional athlete, was in my DMs. And like the next day he proposed to his long-term girlfriend. 
the other one actually was at an event and he was a very wealthy older man and we were at a hotel event and he came up to me and gave me his card and said he has a wife and three kids. He was telling me about his three kids. One of them was just born. And he told me that he works with like Wilhelmina models and like he knows this huge brand he like shoot with, which is hilarious. And he gave me his business card and said, I'm staying in room XYZ if you want to call me later tonight. And gave me his card. And I was like, you have three kids at home with your wife. So that, that same event, that same event, another married man in front of his wife when she was drunk, not listening, told my friend, I love your heels. I want you to step on me with them in front of his wife. So like, I mean, it just it goes on. Like it just goes on. Oh my God. Wait, do you ever feel like you should expose the men like to their partners? Like obviously like, okay, in person it's a little bit different, but like that football player or whatever. Like, I know. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are like, I think it would really depend. I think if he, I think if he were really adamant about like hanging out and really adamant about this and then I see that, I'd be like, whatever. But if it's like you're sliding in and it's like, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not the biggest concern for this girl. He's doing it to so many other girls. I think if he mm-hmm. tried to have a full-blown affair with me, I would say something for sure. It's different than someone being like, oh, you're so sexy versus like yeah. trying to like take you out and like doing a whole thing. Yeah, exactly. And like text me and like FaceTime me. I'm like, wait, what? You have a whole ass fucking wife? I'm telling her. Yeah. <laughs> wait, I want to, I'm going to say something kind of toxic, but this is just it. Okay. Obviously like, okay, he's married. So it sucks. But also like professional athletes are sliding your DMs. Like, oh, I cool. can. <laughs> he's like toxic of me to encourage this behavior. But. I'm like, honestly, only the single ones, though. Oh, only the I single know. ones, okay? I know. Okay? It's kind of like you never know who's single and who's not either. And if they're not posting their girl, they have like five others that they're like still dating. So I'm trying to shy away from that type, which just goes into my dating thing. But I feel like, Ella, you need like a guy who's kind of more, like you said, maybe like, like a guy who's kind of more behind the scenes mm-hmm. and is like just there to like hype you up and not like in a way that's. I don't know. I feel like I kind of think about this sometimes too. Like maybe a guy who doesn't like love to be on the right. camera, really like l- loves it for you and supports you, but maybe it's like a little bit more nerdy and less like, but still, you know, I don't know. Cause these athletes are just <sighs> losing their damn yeah. minds. Yeah. And I don't know if I could do like a TikToker. Like if you're like making more TikToks <laughs> than me, like we're going to have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> like literally can you imagine they're like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Would you ever date a guy with a, like a TikTok, like a large TikTok presence? It would depend like for what. And then to answer your question, probably not. But it would probably depend like what kind of content. Like are we making dances? Are we talking you know, real estate tips? Like that's a different thing. <laughs> it's hard. Oh my that's God. fair. That's, that's fair. fair, right? Okay. Or like you're a doctor and you're just a sexy like dentist doctor. I'm like, all right, fine. Like fucking do your content. Like whatever. Like, yeah. you know, that's like, fair. Uh, you're like teaching people how to build a house. Cool. Right. Like we if you're building that. shit, like fine, like take your fucking shirt off and make your video, but like cringe, you know, <laughs> picture it. Oh my oh God. God. Um, okay. I have um, this kind of a long question that someone wrote in and I feel like it's important. So let's discuss it. Ella is such a badass, constantly striving for her goals. It seems like as soon as she's accomplished something, she's working on the next best thing. It is so amazing and inspiring. 
My question is, how do you manage goal burnout? Sometimes I have these awesome goals in my vision board and I know I can do it. But once I complete a goal, sometimes my mind is like, damn, now on to the next one. Like, what is the point in all this? It feels exhausting. How do you stay on track and true to yourself and purpose while working towards these goals? I know that's a long one and maybe I didn't word it right. But basically, my brain sometimes is like, why do we need to try so hard to accomplish so much? Damn, that's a good one. I feel like after, like I said, after the SI thing, I did feel a little bit of like, all right, like, let me just pump the brakes for a second because people are like, what's next? Like, you clearly can tackle what you put your mind to. Like, what are you doing next? And I was like, it's almost like when you're in a relationship and they're like, when are you getting married? And then when you're married, you're like, when are you having a kid? And when you're a kid, it's like, when's the next one? Like, it's that same, like, okay, I'm, I'm tired. I feel less goal burnout. Like, I don't feel that as often. I feel more just burnout of in general, just like working really fucking hard and being tired. But my goals don't make me feel burnout. It's more just like the mundane everyday kind of bullshit. And like, oh my God. And it's like, it's a lot, you know, it's exhausting. I think though, and I already answered it kind of earlier, it goes back down to like really knowing your why. And I think that will overcome that burnout feeling. And I think take the time. Like you don't need to get talk, like tackle this goal by 25 and this goal by 27. Like don't put a timeline on yourself. I really don't put a timeline on me. For all of my goals, they're just kind of there. Do I want this? Yes. Do I want Vogue Greece? Yes. Do I want like, do I want the house? Of course. But like, I don't have like a time frame, and, and I'm not really strategic with my goals either. And take that how you want. That might not be great advice, but I don't have a set goal at this month. I need this. And this much, this month, I need this much money saved. I don't really work that way. I work in the way of every day. I'm like every day I have goals every day. I'm accomplishing a lot so that in one day I look back in a year and I'm like, holy fuck, I did that. That's how I operate. So it puts less stress on a goal when I don't have that structured timeline to get there. It's more just of like, I'm going to show up every day, be the best that I can be, do the jobs that I can travel and go here when I can. And eventually I will get that. And eventually I will get that booking. That's how I look at it. And it overwhelms me less, but yeah, give yourself grace. Honestly, you don't like take the break, take the vacation, like actually. And I'm telling myself that too, like do it. But I would say, I think it's knowing my why and knowing like, I'm excited to get to that version of me and to do that. I have to do X, Y, and Z. I love that. Amazing. Such good advice. Thank you, Ella. Can you share before we wrap up any teasers for exciting projects or anything that you have coming up that you're really pumped about? If there's anything that you can share that's not too top secret. I haven't announced this yet or said anything, but I'm going to post it probably in the next week or week and a half. I was in my first music video. Fun. Oh, shit. Go Kirby Girls. We're the video mixing now, baby. Yeah. It was fun. Wait, can you – are you a dancer? Um, no, I was just like the main lead girl. like just The muse. The muse. <laughs> right? Oh, my like, God. Like hitting a fucking dance. Like what the fuck? <laughs> well, I thought in every music video, I feel like there's got to be some moves. I was like, oh, shit. I like can break it down. Girls twerking and shit, but that's not me. I'm like, honey, I'm not twerking on this thing. No, now. she's like the precious for Drake now. Wait, Holy can shit. you share who it's for? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I could say it. His name's Robbie, Robbie Tripp. He's actually married to Sarah Tripp, who's a blogger. Yeah, we know Robbie. We know Robbie and Sarah. Yes. Oh my God. That's awesome. Oh my God. Funny, fun. When he came out, I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to twerk or do this. He's like, no, you would literally just be like the main like video vixen girly. But yeah, it'll be fun. It'll get released. I'm pretty sure he's going to release at the end of March. So very soon. So that's amazing. And I think just, you know, doing fun things. I'm hopefully trying to get signed in other markets. I'm going to Miami next week and then New York the following weekend. Um, But you're not going to be there, right? You're going to be in Miami still. But I'll see you there. 
I know. I'll see you in Miami, though. I know. See you in Miami, baby. And we're so excited for this episode. Can you plug yourself and let everyone know where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Ella Halikis on Instagram and TikTok. And we will chat soon and can't wait to hear what you guys think about this episode. Woo! Thanks, girl. Thank you so much, Ella. Thanks, ladies. Talk soon. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us.